0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast, pre-Tony edition. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, Features Editor at Billboard and Broadway fan extraordinaire here. So if you're listening to this episode in real time, the Tonys are just two days away, so I think it's really the perfect time to check out the Billboard on Broadway archives, um, catch up on the major shows of the past season. I have – been fortunate to have nearly all of the Tony-nominated musicals, many of their stars and members of their creative teams on the podcast. And in my humble opinion, uh, there have been a pretty high quantity of great conversations lately that make for perfect pre-Tony prep if you are a theater fan. We'll have some new episodes coming up soon, but this week I'm throwing it back to one of my all-time favorite guests for a Best of Billboard on Broadway episode. In August of 2018, I was thrilled to have one of the most beloved stars in musical theater, Sutton Foster, on the podcast. It's always exciting, I think, when you find that the artists you look up to are actually lovely, interesting people uh, in the real world, too. So it was delightful to find that that was definitely true with Sutton. At the time, she had recently released a great album of music called Take Me to the World, and we talked a lot about how she put together the mix of classic and more contemporary song choices on it, along with her collaborative process with the drama students from Ball State University, who appear on the album and who Sutton has also taught for several years now. But we also delved into her already storied career, how she makes choices about the shows she wants to do, the composers she looks up to, and her roles on television on Younger and before that on Bunheads. This seemed like a great time to revisit my conversation with Sutton because she has a whole lot coming up. Most imminently, she's about to start a run of shows at the Cafe Carlisle in New York, the famous sort of intimate cabaret venue, where she will be performing songs from Take Me to the World in concert. Uh, The sixth season of Younger is about to start as well on TV Land. And in the category of major musical things to look forward to uh, on the podcast, Sutton and I talk about kind of what it would take for her to do another Broadway show soon, what she would want in that project. And lo and behold, it was recently announced that she's going to be returning to Broadway in the fall of 2020, starring opposite Hugh Jackman in a new production of The Music Man, which I'm sure will be huge when it comes.
1: I'll give you stars and the moon and a soul to guide you and a promise I'll never go. I'll give you hope to bring out all the life inside you and the strength that will help you grow.
0: Hello, Sutton. Hi. I feel like I need to sing like Sutton Foster. (laughs) You need a musical introduction. Um, well, excited to see you here. Um, I have to say, first of all, that I'm one of the people who, in addition to having seen you in musicals over the years, is also a Crazy Bunheads fan. So oh, thanks. you will always be endeared to my heart for Bunheads.
1: Thank you. I love Bunheads. It's, uh, it was the, the short-lived love of my life. Yeah. I kind
0: of wonder like, how many people who recognize you or come up to you on the street are Crazy
1: Bunheads fans. There's a lot of Bunheads fans out there. I was like... Where were you? Where where was the noise when we <laughs> yeah, needed we were you? On. I know, um, but no, it's been so cool, and it's uh, and now it lives on. You know, I think it's on Hulu, and so many people are are like watching it now for the first time, and I um, I just I it was such a special show, and it was uh, it was so cool to be on a a show that was very well loved. It was
0: I, I indeed watched the entire thing for a second time on Hulu. So oh, it's it's I good to that do that. I haven't
1: done that yet. It's an
0: excellent way to while away like eight hours of your life on on a rainy day for sure. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, I, talking about the album seemed like a good moment to me to kind of dial back and reflect. Uh, because I see some reflection on the album of your like beginnings with Millie, um, some people who have kind of been in your musical life for many, many years now. Um, so if we could start by rewinding back to that first big moment for you, are there ways that you still see things that you've learned from Millie reflected in your career and the work that you're doing now? Or is it more like people who have kind of stuck with you like Janine Tesori? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like if 16 years later, if you still have moments where you're like, Oh, I learned that doing that show.
1: Millie was, Millie was a life changing career changing uh, moment for me in my life and and there are people that I met on that show that I still work with Janine Tessori, who I've now worked with several times Michael Rafter who was um, our music director on Millie and Conductor is my music director to this date you know he's he's responsible for all of the arrangements on the new album um, he's like a he's like a true collaborator you know when you when you meet someone um, who who Makes you better, you know. I, I feel like working with him and Janine too, as well. It's like you just sort of we we all sort of met in our youth, in our beginnings, and then we've mm-hmm. been like we've grown up together. But Millie was Millie taught me a lot of things. It taught me um, it taught me how to be a how to do eight shows a week, how to have um, endurance and stamina, how to be a leader of a company. I'd never done that before. Uh, In that capacity, how to deal with criticism? How to um, stop reading reviews (laughs) and stop reading the comments? Stay off of message boards.
0: I was going to say, was it message boards back then? Was it comments? (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was all like, you know, like um, social media. I mean, now it's it's changed since then, but you know, it's uh, it was just sort of the beginning of when uh, people started sharing their opinions online and it was available for any and everyone to read and so I I felt like it I feel like and also I will say one of the things I learned from doing Millie is that it helped me find a a better balance in my life because I think back then in my 20s and I was 27 when it opened I turned um, 27 right before we opened it uh, I think I had as far as the scale of life, I had many more um, coins in the career column than the uh, relationships and personal life, uh, and that has definitely balanced out as I've gotten older. So I, I, Millie taught me a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, it seems like it's kind of a rare thing that a first project can be kind of like defining, but in a good way. And I feel like that sort of established you as a triple threat and... um there, it doesn't seem like there would have been any downside to that. Did you, did you, after that show, did you feel like you needed to prove yourself in other ways or did it just pretty much set a, a good path going forward for you?
1: I mean, I, I have a different perspective on it now having many years of time past. <laughs> Millie was like the best thing that had ever happened to me, but also like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. Cause it like just tore me apart. It like broke me apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh it was debilitating and hard and where i should have been like on the top of the world i was i felt this enormous pressure to to deliver and and to and when i couldn't it was you know debilitating um but and and there is like this thing like you've 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 achieved something and how do you have staying power what do you do next you know how mm-hmm. do you do you how do you continue to i don't know challenge yourself as an artist, but also stay relevant in, like, the, the theater scene or... So it's, uh, it was an interesting... The next project I did after Millie was Little Women, which was, again, another just, like, sort of juggernaut role um, that uh, wasn't as successful as Millie. Um, but... And then that sort of taught me, like, all right, I need to stay... I need to... I can't keep trying to sort of top myself in this direction. I need to, like, make a left turn, and do something different, and that was what brought on Drowsy Chaperone. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like very, it was very pointed that I wanted to do something that was more ensemble about being part of an ensemble of people, as opposed to me being in the front because mm-hmm. I, 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 I couldn't handle that. I didn't know how that just, just it was like breaking me apart. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems so silly, you know. But I have a different, I can have reflection on it now. But but Drowsy was a very. Um, was it was a gift because it it like I was surround I was sharing the responsibility with all of these incredible people and it was like this magical little show that made me sort of fall in love with, with it all again.
0: And I feel like that's something that we see on the album that I want to get into, too, that it's like, I feel like it's very rare to see a solo album like this that feels like really collaborative. Yeah. And like you, I mean, you are the main person on the album, but there are other voices that are Mm -hmm. prominent. And it was really um, important
1: to me that the album feel like a collaboration. And and I I um, yes, it is. It is my name on the front, but it, it but it's there's so many amazing people that that went into building the album and i I wanted to share i had there's so many there's many duets i have i have a um, a group number with incredible singers from ball because it was a collaboration with ball state university um i have a i'm an adjunct faculty there and uh i wanted we wanted to record it there and we and it was awesome we used their um uh, recording studios. We used their orchestra. We used over one hundred students and faculty. We used the senior musical theater class of two thousand eighteen, as well as the teachers, the voice teachers. So it was it was this one and their entire art and design department uh, designed the album. They did all of the packaging, everything. So it was like incredible to be able to um, sort of in, uh, sort of give back and 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 also use. All of these young minds, too, to sort of like redefine what this um, what this album was going to be.
0: So I didn't realize until I was reading about the album how long teaching has been kind of part of your life as well. And yeah. I mean, really going back to when you were kind of starting out. So I was I was curious about how that came into your life and what it is like to be teaching young people <laughs> as your as your own
1: career is still like yeah. really developing. I feel like um, I I had a really wonderful relationship with my high school drama teacher, Mr. Bodick. Mr. Rick Bodick, I still call him Mr. Bodick. but he, <laughs> um, uh, he was just incredibly influential. And like, because I, I didn't know that theater, or let alone musical theater, could you could make a career, career out of it. For me, it was just something you did for fun, you know, it was like mm-hmm. a hobby or, um, and he was really like someone who like just introduced me to, introduced me to so much and has always been a champion. And has always encouraged me still to this day. And, um, I always felt really passionate about wanting to give back in some way. Cause I, I, I you know, I grew up in a tiny, I, I grew up in Georgia and small towns in Georgia and then moved to suburbs of Michigan. Um, New York was like, I, I had no concept of New York. I did a paper on it, you know, <laughs> when I was like a freshman and, um, they, uh, and that was before, you know, I, the internet so now I feel like things are more accessible you know but back then it was we went to the library we would like check out like cast recordings and we'd watch the Tony Awards that was like the only outlet I had Mm -hmm. um so I started um uh, like early when even before I moved to New York I volunteered at a local um community theater um when I was living in in Memphis because I dropped out of college um, and I was completely lost, and I was like, How do I, what do I do? And I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna work, volunteer at this community theater and like work, working with young people. And um, and then I just felt super passionate about it. And whenever we would do, and um, my affiliation with Ball State, they had just reached out to me for like a talk back to talk to their students. Uh, I think when I was doing Drowsy Chaperone, and uh, I was like, yeah sure why not you know and um I just sort of fell in love with their their students and their faculty and there was a real midwest sensibility and earnestness and it just felt like the right fit for me and um it was a program that was redefining itself and um and it it was kind of like on the verge of of sort of bubbling and growing and um I, it's been incredible. And I, I now, like, I teach a cabaret class every year via, like, Skype. And um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we do a they do a Skype show, cabaret. A okay, Skype cabaret. <laughs> um, they, like, and then they do a performance in um, Indianapolis. And then in March they do a performance at Joe's Pub here in New York. And so it's, like, really cool. And we've done – and Michael Rafter, actually, and I teach it together – And so it just felt fitting that we would incorporate them, you know, with the album and we've just developed this wonderful relationship with the school. And, uh, yeah, it just, it just, just, it feels like it's so important to me. And and it's also like really important to me to be able to share as my career has evolved and changed now being in television. And I feel like I have, Oh my gosh, I learned this today. (laughs) I can like share it with this and tell someone else. Yeah. Share it with this like next generation, you know? And um sort of share my experiences and, and how like you don't have to you can work really hard and you can kinda keep challenging yourself and, and you can I'm you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest too, you know? It's like you don't have to be an asshole to kind of succeed and how to like how worthy lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you can like work really hard and and um and and things things can work out. Yeah. You know?
0: and you've directed there too a couple of shows I co-directed right? yeah
1: okay. so um bill jenkins is the chair of the of the department and he's he's just been my my like champion there and so he he um they did drowsy chaperone and they did shrek the musical and i i was able okay. to come in <laughs> and sort of help with casting and and sort of give some insight into you know my experience of what it was like doing it on broadway and and sort of share some some um character development and help them help them with their productions.
0: That makes sense. I was wondering if like secretly you were like directing your own Sweeney Todd. Or <laughs> yeah, something I, like I that. mean, that
1: would be amazing. <laughs> but a lot of it is, um, because my, because I'm so busy, which is incredible. I'm, um, my time, they, the bill has been able to like, um, he's been able, I've been able to come in for like little snippets of time to kind of, uh, you know, come in and sort of dance around and, and, flit off some pearls of wisdom or something um but but yeah in i'll say 2025 sutton foster's production of sweeney todd
0: I'm a, the world is waiting it sounds amazing um well i think that one one thing that really popped out to me about the album which i hadn't really i guess thought about looking at your body of work before is like how many living composers uh you've been able to work with, um, Mm -hmm. and who you're championing. Um, and I want to talk about Janine first and Michael as well. Um, what do you think was kind of the foundation of that relationship starting and what kind of made the two of you click as a partnership that has kind of continued through the years since then?
1: I think Janine is, I think she's a, I think she's a genius. I, um. Fair statement, fair statement. I love I love being in a room with her. She elevates everyone around her. Um, she is. She's also so. She's an incredible collaborator. She is so willing to say. Okay, look, no, that doesn't work. Or let's do it. Let's try this. Or blah blah. blah you know, like what do you think? Or. um I, I just think she's a total badass. Like I would follow her anywhere, and if she calls and asks me to do anything, I would do it in a heartbeat without asking what it was. I, um, the other person I, I can put in that category is Amy Sherman Palladino and, yes. and Lee Silverman, who I've worked with now as a director several times. They're just women who – they're strong, powerful women who make everyone better and I just love, she makes, they all make me better. And I, um, I, I feel like I, I just don't want to let, I never want to let Janine down. You know, I, um, I just, uh, I've loved working with her. Um, we did Millie, we did Shrek, and we did Violet. And she's just the best. I hope that I get to work with her again and again.
0: And her and it's a real like variety of oh. things that she has done, too. I mean, do you see kind of a through line about like what makes her music so great to you to perform?
1: It's like um, it's like we share a voice, I guess. It's like a simple <laughs> seems really weird to say, <laughs> but it's like she we like know each other. It's like it's a, it's the secret. It's that secret thing, you know. It's like that chemistry thing, you know. It's mm-hmm. like it's hard to define, Because um, you can work with people, and you're like, oh, we're not on the same page, or it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Or I can sing, I can sing someone's music, and I'm like, oh, geez, this is not, this isn't, doesn't work. But there's something about Janine. Like the minute I start to learn a song of hers, it's as if it was written for me, which. I there have been songs that have been written for me, but mm-hmm. it's like she just like we like understand each other.
0: I was gonna say at this point, like I would think she is writing to your
1: voice almost since you've worked together so much. Yeah, it's it's like it's one of those amazing things, and I, and I feel that way about Michael Rafter too. It's like, um, I you know you you, you hope that a lot of people work um, solo. You know, a lot of people work on their own, or you know, I I find especially in creativity or anything creative or art, the arts, it's like collaboration is the key, you know, and you hope that you find a collaborator who, who by working together, you, you actually make each other better because you, what, what you, you're better together than you are on your own. And I, I feel that way about Michael Rafter. It's like, we come together and we both are better. And it's like, I can't, there's, I, there's no one else that I,
0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So was he and or Jeanine instrumental in kind of coming up with the concept for the album in the first place? Was that a conversation or more something that so came
1: purely from you? Michael and I, um, we do lots of concerts and we, we started doing we did like a, the the very first concert we did was an American Songbook for Lincoln Center back in 2004, right after I left Millie. It was the first time I'd ever done something like that where you're like, you know, it's like the cabaret art form, or the, I always call it a concert because I'm like, because somehow cab the word cabaret can have like lots of feelings. You People be have like, lots of feelings. Sitting on a piano with yeah, a glass yeah. of wine. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, we do concerts, but um, and then we did an album uh, in 2000 um 8 i guess that was uh really derived I, I had gone was going through a divorce and michael had gone through some health issues and we were both that album was my first album which was called wish and it was really like this album of healing for both of us and um and then uh but we we've just then we just kind of kept doing concerts and like, we, we could have a tour shirt that would have, like, you know, lots of cities. on We just, all over the country, the world, we started doing symphony stuff. And we knew we wanted to do another album, but we didn't feel like we had the, we just didn't feel like we had it, like, whatever the, the album was going to be. And then um, my husband and I adopted a baby girl. And suddenly the songs that we were looking at and the music that we were being that we were drawn to started to shift because I had this new life in my life and I I was suddenly a mom and like so the album started to take place Mm -hmm. so that was really what formed the album was the birth of Emily my daughter.
0: The, the only thing that I'm missing, which I've never seen one of your solo shows, but I feel like I've heard so much about you singing Mabel this time oh. to your dog, um, that I'm a little sad. That's not on the yeah. Elf, that didn't,
1: that didn't make the cut. I know poor Mabel's having a hard time. Mabel's my dog, and so she was the first. And then we got Brody, our another dog, and then she was like, "Why have you done this?" And then we brought a human child, and now she's just beside she, herself. Yeah, she's really. She's really having a hard time. So I, I should have put Mabel this time on the album for her. At
0: least she gets to be serenaded. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, well, I was going to say that this does not just feel like cabaret on tape. Um, and uh, going back to the collaborative aspect of it, um, did, did you initially have all of the students in the room with you? Or would you start out working on things by yourself? Or was it always sort of being in the room with them?
1: For the album, yeah, we had put together for. Um, so what's interesting is like so the final track on the album is every time we say goodbye, which is a Cole Porter um, song. We had been commissioned by the Cincinnati Pops to to do four uh, original, not original, four new arrangements of Cole Porter. This was um, um, two years ago. And um, so we, for the cabaret class at Ball State, we decided to focus on Cole Porter. And one of the songs that they sang at the end of their class, at the end of their show that they did, was Every Time We Say Goodbye, arranged by Michael Rafter, this beautiful a cappella version. And then when we sang, we, we had them sing it at the, with the Cincinnati Pops with full orchestra, orchestra coming in. And I knew I wanted to include that on the album. Now, the label was like, but you're not singing on it. It's just (laughs) the students. And I said, but that's what the whole album is about. The whole album Mm -hmm. is about collaboration and about the future, you know, about these, this is the future, this is the next generation, you know? It was all like, it was like a gift for them. It was like we, this is the whole point. And then the, um, the On My Way, I'm On My Way, On My Way, Mm -hmm. was actually written for um, six singers. And we, we did it at a, uh, I did a concert in, at Lincoln Center um, in April of seventeen, right after Emily was born, and um, and six moms sang it, oh, and right. um, uh, and I and I knew oh I want to do this on the album, and two of the moms were Darcy Roberts and Megan McGinnis, who I do duets with on the sh- on the um, album, and then we decided that the other voices would be the three other voices soloed are um, the. Faculty, voice teachers at Ball State, and then the, the the chorus are the musical theater seniors and alumni at Ball State. So it was all done very. Um, the 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 piece had already been created, and then we decided to open it up mm-hmm. and include everybody.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. Well. I want to go through some of my favorite uh, tracks on the album uh, because they made me want to hear more from you with these people Um, first was uh, Jason Robert Brown who I was like now she needs to do a Jason Robert Brown show (laughs) Um, he will be a podcast guest actually a little later in the summer Um, so what is your history with him and this song Stars and the Moon is just to me such a classic J.R.B. kind of song Um, tell me about how you kind of decided to do that song and and what you knew of him before?
1: I had always been a fan of his. When I was a kid growing up, I was obsessed with songs. Songs for a New World. Um, so I used to listen to it, you know, in my room. And um, I actually s- decided to sing it for the first time when I did a concert with Janine Tesori. Um, this was at City Center like two years ago with um, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff did, did the, and I did this one night only concert at city center and we got to sing songs. Tra- we've always tragic to have missed. Them, oh, I know. By it, the way. Was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome. And so we got to sing songs that like we've never sung before. So I, I didn't want to, so I was like, I've always wanted to sing stars in the moon. And, um, and then as soon as I sang it, I was like, Oh my gosh, I finally get this song. Like you have to be of a certain age, I think mm-hmm. to like really understand it. And like, as a kid, I never really got it. And then you're like, oh, you have to have like some life experience to realize what it means. And um, and then I just started doing it in concerts. Uh, yeah, when I would work with Rafter, and I was like, we got to, I got to sing this. And then um, honestly, um, it all fades away. The other Jason Robert Brown song, um, a student at Ball State, a, a boy. I, my brother was in the show. Like my brother had done the show um, on Broadway, uh, but a student at Ball State sang It All Fades Away in, a, like, a music class. And I was listening to it, and I went, oh, gosh, that's a, that's a really great song. <laughs> and I said to Michael, I said, because I had been talking to Jason Robert Brown, because we're friends, and I, I I, told him that I was working on an album, and I said, do you you know, do you have any trunk songs or any, like, things that haven't been recorded? Or, you know, and he was sort of sending me ideas, and he sent me another song from um, from Bridges. And I was like, what about it all fades away? And we started working on that and then it became like it's like one of my favorite things I've ever I've ever done. So were you actually working with him when you were with Jason? Yeah. No. And I was, um we, we did it all with I did it all with Michael. Okay. And then uh and I just was praying that Jason would give us his blessing. And then I did a concert with Jason, um, just like a one night only because he has a residency at subculture here in New York. And I got to sing, I sang stars in the moon. It all fades away. And then two, three of his other songs that I learned for that night, but I got to sing them with, with him. And that was wild. I was like, what is my life? Like this is so really cool cool accompanist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty wild. Um, yeah, no, I I love
0: those. Um, also, uh, having recently gone to see Twelfth Night, um, Shayna Tab is yeah. uh, amazing. Another former fo- podcast guest, um, and love uh, the song "Room" that you chose. I mean, that and the Jason songs are—they're like really sort of huge journeys, like within a song, and they're kind of about like going through stuff in life. Yeah. It seems to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but what is your connection to Shayna?
1: So Shayna and I met this is a wild so I, um, I I taught this is such a I taught two semesters at NYU and um, I, I ended up doing I did two sort of cabaret clas- that was before I, I started working at Ball State so I did two sort of cabaret classes at NYU and then I did I taught the freshman um, I can't remember what year I did a, a vocal performance so I ended up teaching, like, 60 freshmen, a lot of which are now, like, on Broadway and doing really well, all because of me. No, Um, I did nothing. But they... um, uh, Actually, uh, Jelani... uh, Jelani's in Frozen. He was one of my students. And um, Ariel Satchel, who just won the Tony for Band's Visit, he was one of my students. Oh, my God. Isn't that wild? I know. I'm like, wow. Anyway. um, Oddly... And crazily enough, the pianist for the um, for this class, for the vocal performance classes, was Shana Taub. and I had no idea. <laughs> she, I was like, "Why were you playing piano?" She's like, "I just," she's like, "I just wanted to brush up on my like sight reading." And she's like, "I just wanted to be in the room," and 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 I was like, "What? Like, why would you ever do that?" I had no idea that she was such a brilliant composer, and so then room came across my plate. I think I reached out to her again, like as I was like, sort of looking for material. And she either sent me room or someone sent it to me. And I've just fell in love with it. I thought it was so beautiful. And I sang it, that concert where I sang Stars and the Moon with Mm -hmm. with, um, Jonathan Groff, I sang room. And, and Shana actually was part of that concert. She, she, um, because the concert was a, a mix of like, and, jonathan and i singing stuff and then a bunch of young com- new composers and she was one of the new composers sort of doing her material and um i just fell in love with it and knew i wanted to do it on the album i feel like shana is always popping up in places you don't expect her like which that is, sort of which is so awesome i just will never forget i was like why are you playing piano in like freshman vocal performance class and yes <laughs> she was just like the coolest she's just the coolest it's I feel like she is kind of like the cool piano playing
0: singer songwriter girl who like I kind of wish I was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, also very exciting to see you singing Sondheim. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. I I sort of wonder, like, is there a Sondheim show that you would want to do in
1: the near future? Oh, like, God. what is your Sondheim wish list? The, I did. a. Um, one of my favorite things I've ever done was Anyone Can Whistle. We did it at um city center city center encores back in 2010 excuse me burping um (laughs) sorry (laughs) and uh it was just incredible like to work on his music and to he was in the room and I was like frozen (laughs) I was like I, I lost the ability to speak um I mean I would love to do a Sondheim show someday that would be a dream Sweeney Todd maybe someday it's so my favorite show ever. Who would
0: you be in Sweeney Todd?
1: Oh, eventually, Mrs. Lovett. Yes. <laughs> right? We got to, uh, maybe in a couple years. Your
0: time is coming. And my time is coming to, to break out your cockney. <laughs> um. <laughs> um i and there is um some pop on the on the album some james taylor and simon and garfunkel and i was curious what your kind of personal history and relationship to pop music is i kind of think of you as someone who must
1: have like come out of the womb tap dancing but <laughs> i know right well see but i also grew up in the 70s right mm-hmm. so like my mom used to listen to i always joke about the eight tracks and She used to listen to John Denver and James Taylor and Dan Vogelberg. And, you know, I grew up like Carole King and um, Simon and Garfunkel. And, like, I I grew up listening to all this stuff. And, like, I love folk. Like, if I'm – every people always ask, like, what what do I listen to? Either nothing, like just silence, (laughs) which is awesome, or, like, today's hits. Like, I listen to, like, the pop, the, the, like, today's pop, which I – couldn't tell you who sings what but I like will bop along you know it's like anything or I'll listen to like folk or something that's like super chill Mm -hmm. but um but yeah like James Taylor is one of my favorites and I I just I would love to do a whole a whole James Taylor album or John Denver too no, it's, I like the James Taylor
0: arrangement a lot. It's like a little oh, different yeah. from the way I'm used to hearing that song. Um, yeah, yeah. But it occurs to me that this is like the kind of music that adults can enjoy, but also like play around a baby and like everything
1: is chill and yeah. calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we, we, I mean, the album is definitely eclectic, but it's, um, it's a culmination of many, many years. Like we've, it's evolved. Uh, we didn't want to just... Um, and we over-recorded it. I mean, we, there are three songs that we recorded that we didn't include. Like we really, everything was very thoughtfully selected and, and, and it and has taken like years and years to sort of come to where, where I am right now in 2018, you know, as an artist, as a person. Um, so it's, it's, it's cool. It's like this little time capsule.
0: You know? mm-hmm. Well, that, that is a perfect segue because I was going to say that the last show I saw you in was Sweet Charity, oh, and, yeah. which is Amaz. Um, <laughs> and uh, that that felt kind of like a turning point for you in a way to me. I'm not 100% sure why, but maybe because it's a bit of a darker role. It had that kind of minimalist production. Yeah. Um, it was a different context than I'm used to seeing you in. Yeah. Um, so I was curious if if I was right about that in terms of what it was like for you professionally and going forward from here, like, what are the kinds of roles that, that you want to be
1: doing, um, and then that you're interested in? I, that's, I mean, that's interesting. It was, it was a, it was a very specific, incredible thing, like, that show, and, and, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be, like, it was just, I wanted to be, I wanted to play that role, and, in like, just, and sort of, um, sort of, in a whole new way and and it was it was just to be able to to be able to perform that close to an audience too was terrifying it was like it was literally people were a foot away from me yeah um it was uh it was awesome I, I I'm I'm I think as I'm moving forward I've I've loved doing younger I've loved being on TV that's been like a wonderful thing for me um I just want to work with good people. I want to be challenged. I want to be, um, I'm, I'm I'm. interested in the left turns. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the, where, where people go, huh, or like, that wasn't what I was expecting or that's mm-hmm. not what I thought or like, that's interesting to me because I, I can't keep, like after I did Anything Goes on Broadway, I was like, how do I keep going this direction? It's like impossible because mm-hmm. that was like, how can you, in my mind, I was like, I don't know how to top that. So, I did Violet, which was like a totally left, and then I did Sweet Charity. So it's like, whoa! Like, what? That's interesting know. to me. Like, I, I feel like I want to keep going in, in new directions every every time. I know that won't, can't always be the case, but that's what I, I would like to do.
0: As, has doing younger made you sort of hungry for doing more musical theater in certain ways, or are you? Happy with the TV track for now because you are surrounded by so many theater people on the so show funny. that I'm like I know all the theater people are always like why can't there be a musical episode of Younger I know I know. I know I feel
1: <laughs> like I feel like where I am now in my life I feel like Younger came at a really great time I was feeling I was I was starting to experience some burnout um, performing live and uh, Younger just sort of was this, this whole new thing like a whole new a whole new even though it's, you know, you're playing a character, you're on, you're on, you know, you're telling a story. It's like you're acting, but it's like a whole new being on television and being on a set is completely different than doing theater. So it was like this whole new thing that I got to learn. And, um, and that was just a wonderful opportunity. But I, uh, I would absolutely love to, to do uh, another show if it feels, if it's the right thing and it feels right. Um, I've got like irons in the fire and and some some things that are exciting, but I, I really want it to feel like something that's that will be challenging and exciting. Well, I was
0: gonna say there there must be offers occasionally for you to <laughs> come back here because you're definitely
1: missed. When I know, you're everyone, not everyone's here. like you've you've left Broadway for television. I was like, wait, no, I hopefully hopefully Broadway will will always be here.
0: Yeah, like I feel like Sweet Charity was just like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I believe that you will be back soon. Okay. I choose to believe. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. It's great thank to talk you. to you.
1: Thank you so much. So
0: close your eyes. You can close your eyes.
1: It's all right.
0: Sutton Foster will be performing at the Cafe Carlisle June 11th through 22nd and also in an extension June 25th through 29th. And Younger will be back on TV Land starting June 12th. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast or before the Tonys, you just want to get into it, which I fully support, you can find us on iTunes, where it is easy to give stars and nice reviews if you like the podcast. We're also on other platforms, including Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find me on social media at Rebecca Millsoff on Twitter. And at you down with RMM on Instagram. And you can always tweet or talk about your love of the podcast with hashtag Billboard on Broadway. If you're a fan of print media or even of web media, you can find a bunch of pre-Tony interviews that I've done with people like Towns, Amber Gray, uh, The Prom's Caitlin Kinnanen and uh, Oklahoma's Damon Downo on billboard.com. And you can also find a big kind of Tony nominee preview that I did in the last week's issue of Billboard on Stands. If you can find it, go for it. And hope to have you back for a new episode soon.